every decision they make can have an effect on our lives. Well, I'm not a crook. We had to push and shove our way through a cloud of several hundred Vietnamese. My fellow Americans, I've said on several occasions that I wouldn't comment about the recent congressional hearings on the Iran-Contra matter. Skies over Baghdad have been illuminated. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Immediately, there's speculation or cause for concern. This is the World Trade Center that was the center of a terrorist bombing. What difference at this point does it make? Protesters have now broken into the U.S. Capitol. This is Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network with your hosts Booker Scott and Lou Basada. On February 20th, 2023, General Mike Flynn delivered a speech worthy of a conversation and a deeper dive. Of course, General Flynn has become a well-known political figure in America, having served both Democrat and Republican presidents at the very highest level of military intelligence. He's a public figure that constantly gets attention, both good and bad. You know, if you're normal, these last few years have to make you feel like you're living in an upside-down world. Nothing feels right anymore, from COVID, the 2020 election, the Afghanistan withdrawal, the Ukraine-Russian war, to government censorship, Chinese spy balloons, and hazardous material train derailments. What are we really sensing, feeling, and experiencing? General Flynn in that speech suggests we're already in a war. This is not politics as usual. He says we live in perilous times, and this is a quote from that speech. We currently stand on the precipice, high above a chasm so deep that it can swallow America whole. On this program, we unwrap that and a little bit more. And to do that and help me with this conversation is Monica Matthews. And you may not know Monica that well. Some of you probably do, but we're going to spend some time getting to know her in this hour. This hour is brought to you by 4Patriots.com. Just use the promo code OUTLOUD. That's one word, OUTLOUD, for a 10% discount at 4Patriots.com. Well, Monica, she's a lot of things. First, she's a believer, and from what I've seen in her walk, it's the most important part of her life. She's a broadcaster, author, social media influencer, a very talented Grammy-nominated singer. She's a mom, a grandmom, and I probably left out a lot, but that's why we're here, just to get to know her a little bit. Monica, welcome to Our Lives in Politics. Thanks so much for having me, Booker. It's my <laughs> honor to be here. Thank you. Glad you're here. And and you heard that opening a little bit, and we're going to get into that conversation about what General Flynn says he sees, because I know you well enough to know that you see things as I do, and very similar to what General Flynn sees things. So we'll get into that. But let's let's talk about you for a few minutes. And I think I think you're worthy of of the, having a spotlight shine on you. Uh, first of all, <laughs> you, you. Ha, you had a recent birthday for a family member. Who was that I for? I did. Yeah. My grand angel. Uh, she turned one. Uh, just this, uh, the 22nd, she, 2022, uh, was the day she was born and, uh, yeah, my, my little angels. So, you know, they're, they're wonderful, wonderful blessings. They give you a reason to maybe look at the world in a different way, don't they? Absolutely. Absolutely. She is the re she, she's always a reason for me to stand alongside, you know, the rest of my brothers and sisters who are standing for, um, the freedom of our nation, you know, our liberty, um, as well as most importantly, spiritually, right? So yes, uh, when, when I look at her and I think about the future that she has and all the things, all the obstacles 
that she'll need to overcome becomes even more important to equip her, you know, first spiritually. It's a scary world when it comes to our kids and grandchildren. I have a a grandson that will be seven soon. And really, you look forward and you you look at where we're living right now with the woke culture and what they're doing to our kids and with transgender and the surgeries and the puberty blockers, it's really kind of overwhelming, isn't it? It would be great to get it, back. It is overwhelming. Uh, it, it is not insurmountable, but it, but it is overwhelming. Uh, you know, it's also kind of a, a, a very big wake up call as to just how much we have um, neglected our spiritual health um, not only individually, but within our communities, our churches have abandoned uh, truth, you know, as inerrant truth, infallible truth. Um, and we've abandoned the precepts of liberty. You know, now we see that trickling up actually and down and sideways throughout our culture. And uh, certainly not the least of which if politics is downhill of culture, which I think now we have a inversion, which is pretty evident. Um, you know, we, the, we can certainly look to the church uh, and the 5% of the church that reads their scripture, according to statistics, which is pretty sad, mm-hmm. quite the indictment, actually, uh, you know, tells us how we got here um, and how we can actually overcome it, you know, which, which is where the hope is. So I don't want to leave people with just an accusation as much as, hey, we do still have a call to turn and repent, cry out, and our land uh, will be healed. The recent Kentucky College and the spiritual awakening that happened there was great to see. And wouldn't it be great if that could happen all across the country? Absolutely. You know, the thing I love about that the most, Booker, is that no one can take credit for that. Not a single personality, not a pastor, not a mega church, not a mini church, nothing in between. That was a complete movement of the Holy Spirit himself, which I think is the most powerful testimony. So we, we know, you know, we've got Muslims in the Middle East who are having visitations from Christ himself in their sleep, who are now turning to Christianity. You know, I mean, to me, this is just a testimony of the darker the days become, uh, the greater our father who came to redeem us from the beginning of the world, from the foundations of the world is certainly not going to abandon us now. So I am so thrilled to see that our young people are on fire. They're repentant. Uh, They're not interested in religion as usual. They're not playing church. Uh, They have, they're coming with contrition and, uh, and in willing hearts, you know, to seek him, to repent, and, uh, and to live a holy life. And honestly, there's there's nothing more beautiful and there's nothing more powerful than that to really turn the country around. And, you know, Tucker Carlson was going to go to that and do his show live from there, and they rejected him, which I thought was a great thing. And, and he made yeah. the comment that he did, too, because it wasn't about that. They didn't want that to be a part of this because it would be considered a political thing. Obviously, Tucker Carlson is conservative, so it would be viewed that way. And they didn't want that. And I have a lot of respect and was glad to see that. I oh, that's awesome. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's I'm, great. I mentioned you were a broadcaster. Talk a little bit about that. Where can people find you? Uh, where are you? And give your website and things like that. Sure. So you can find me at monicamatthews.com as well as any download medium. Um, I'm on iTunes, Apple, you know, Spotify, Pandora, all of those places as well. Um, and I'm actually based out of Atlanta, Georgia, although I spend a lot of time in Virginia. 
um, and other states as well, working on a number of, of projects. But um, but I am based out of Atlanta, and I, my podcast is nationally syndicated. Um, I'm also a terrestrial uh, personality, uh, and that's where I started my broadcast career, was in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, on the nation's, you know, the southeast for sure, uh, number one conservative news station, and began my career alongside People like Herman Cain and Neil Bortz, um, Scott Slade and others in the Atlanta market. Um, Sean Hannity was also on our station as well, I believe still is. So yeah, and spent time talking about faith, life, and politics. That's how I started. That was my first show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. And, um, you know, that was interesting because that came at a time when no one was mixing uh, the two, right? I'm, I'm from the South. We, we um, historically, you know, do not mix the two it's 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 seen as unseemly uh unmannerly <laughs> to discuss faith and politics now you know little did i know i was at the tip of the uh, spear during that time and um and i saw it coming you know like a freight train spiritually speaking i saw the intersection in the impossibility of people being able to um to separate themselves from whatever their particular personal belief system is and having worked as a political consultant for over 20 years i saw it you know up close and personal with politicians staffers etc and and you know constituencies that faith always played a a pivotal and significant role in in people's emotional mental and um you know political choices which are always emotionally driven uh, so yeah, it was it was a it was a great start. That station poured a lot into me. Had great mentors, um, you know, people who coached me on just just basic principles of connecting with people and the importance of of the audio, um, you know, medium and just how intimate and close that is, and uh, how to really take care of people's hearts and minds during you know very uh, turbulent times. Yeah, it's a theater of the mind is what it was always called when you're speaking to people in audio. They call it audio now. Back when I started, it was just radio. And I, we, yeah. you, and, you and I kind of have some similarities in that we've both been in broadcast. And, you know, I, I in my career, I've worked with Clay Travis, uh, Dave Ramsey, uh, Phil Valentine, who wrote the uh, conservative handbook. Uh, he and I go all the way back to 1986, and unfortunately, he passed away during COVID, um, which mm-hmm. kind of struck me hard. Um, actually, your Grammy yeah. Grammy nominated singing. Mm-hmm. You know, I, if people go to monicamatthews.com, you can hear her sing, and you can find her other places as well. I listen to you sing, and you have a beautiful voice. So many of your songs are in foreign languages. I have no idea what you were singing. Um, <laughs> But, but well, I. Well, thank you. <laughs> but your voice is beautiful, and the the one song, "Our Father," I listened to was yeah. fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah. So my, my my singing career, you know, takes me way back uh, into my teen years, and uh, I was a writer before I was ever a singer, even as a child. And um, and then that morphed into, you know, utilizing my voice on different albums and background tracks and whatnot for all types of, of, of all genres, really, and really came up singing a lot of gospel, black gospel, uh, R&B, country, jazz, uh, although I would never consider myself a jazz singer um, because I have a lot of respect for that particular genre. There's a lot that goes into that, a lot of training. Um, 
my training is minimal, uh, although it's more of a classical nature. Um, and, you know, went into pop, not really my thing, but ultimately landed with, uh, with where I began in my faith, quite honestly. And those hymns that are on that first album, Windows, are uh, Orthodox, Greek Orthodox liturgical hymns. And that's where I was raised, was in the, in the faith of the Greek Orthodoxy. And um, I decided to, you know, pay homage, um, and which caused sturdy monstrous controversy <laughs> within the church because, you know, those hymns are considered, you know, some want to keep them very, you know, archaic and, and very close to the vest, and they didn't want to see them popularized, if you will. My heart would, was to bring it to another generation, um, and certainly never to, you know, bastardize any form of, of, of praise where that is concerned. But, you know, I prayed about it. I did seek permission from some and they were, some were excited, some were aghast. Um, ended up, you know, I hear from people from prison uh, who that album has ministered to them greatly. Uh, I hear from, you know, the young, the old, the dying, um, you know, people who listen to it as their meditation. And that really, that ministers to, to me. And, you know, when I made the album, I decided if it ministers to one person, if, if it only reaches heaven and in his altar, and I say only, you know, just, yeah, just, I say only humbly, right? But, yeah. but if it reaches the altar and it's received in the spirit with which I created it, then I've succeeded. And so my Grammy nomination actually came from another gentleman's uh, album, and he too is a, is a Greek uh, Orthodox and, um, and he is, uh, he's Grammy nominated, I believe multiple times. And so I did some work on his album and sang in different languages. And I, you know, I sang in Italian, Greek, French, German, um, and English. And that particular album, uh, is Greek primarily. So yeah, thank you. I, I enjoy it. I'm actually miss singing. I look forward to getting back to it. You know, you mentioned those old hymns and the way people reacted to those songs. You know, that's the way the people at that time praised and worshiped. So why should that be an issue? Exactly. Okay. But in the Orthodox church in, in many churches, actually across the globe, there, there's not other than an organ, which is new, believe it or not, there, there aren't the, um, the celebration that we see in the old Testament, specifically with David, right. And dancing yeah. and timbrels and, and the liar, the liar, uh, you know, all of those things have, some churches have left all of that completely out and they, they actually see that as sacrilegious. And so the Orthodox church um, I don't know that they necessarily see it as sacrilegious, but uh, but they possibly unnecessary. I, I I would say that unnecessary, and so they use the voice and uh, tonal, you know, uh, chanting uh, to kind of e evoke right that this very uh, serious and almost ominous. You, know, you can hear that on my album. There's almost this ominous, very heavy. Uh, you know, that the, you're partaking in the liturgy, which is the body and the blood of Christ. And it's, it's supposed to be a celebration, right? Yeah. And so, so, so the, the priests who were like totally pumped about my album were like, oh, please take it out of the funeral march, right? Like we, <laughs> we want to celebrate this thing, Monica, so go for it. And some of the older ones felt like, mm, you know, we don't know. We're, you know, and, and I got it. You know, that those guys are, 
that's what they were raised in. It's hard to, you know, to move to change without some of those folks feeling like they are it, they are participating with an affront uh, toward the Holy Spirit, which was never my intention, obviously. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's funny how music has 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 morphed now as the Protestant church in, in the states. Um, has taken on more of a, you know, smoke, smoke machines and skinny jeans approach sure, sure. to praise, right? <laughs> um, that That's what people are accustomed to. And and I have to say, I, I think there's a, I love the fact that these kids are just singing, right? In, the, in, these, in yeah. this movement now, it's their voices. It's not a bunch of smoke machines and drum sets and risers and lights, camera action, right? And so I love that because it's coming from this, it's coming from us, right? Yeah. Like his creation is coming from their voices. And so I think that's beautiful. I also don't think it's necessary to, um, you know, alienate uh, the beauty of sound and, and harmonics and instrumentation and the beauty of dance. You know, all of that is part of the celebration of, of life and our creator. And those are all gifts. Also the dancing and the musicians sure. that uh, God has given people, you know, I was raised in a Protestant church where we had no musical instruments. We used our voices, sing and make music from your heart. Uh, so that, That's awesome. that was a different way. We, everyone sang in four part harmony every, right. every time the door was open and everybody had their place. You were a tenor, you were a bass, uh, alto or soprano. So let's uh, let's start shifting gears maybe to this speech of General Flynn that was sure. recent. Here's a quote from that. And I want to get your comment. If America fails to the dictates of the left, this last bastion of freedom, the shining beacon of goodness and the next best expression of humanity will be no more. Hyperbolic? Boy, this is a hard one. I don't believe it's hyperbolic. Um, I, I believe there, there there's truth in that statement, um, and, and there's truth from where he sits and from his perspective and, and from anyone who has served and anyone who genuinely loves this country and understands what our position has been in the earth, right, since our birth. And anyone who understands that I believe wholeheartedly, as I'm sure you do as well, and General Flynn, that this nation was birthed in the heart and the mind um, of the author of liberty. Mm -hmm. And in considering there's not another nation on earth that is governed by our constitutional principles and precepts, our laws, right, our inalienable rights to the extent that we are, I think there's that, that statement is positively true in, in the human sense of what of what we perceive in our in our limited knowledge of just how vast um, and committed our father, our heavenly father and the author of this nation, in my humble opinion, is to to the proliferation of himself in the earth. And whether it's through America or it's through another nation, I believe he is that committed to our liberty. As a people, he proved that on the cross. He birthed this nation, I believe, um, even through <laughs> even through the protest of which some of my Catholic colleagues and, and friends would say, you know, that that was the beginning of the end, right? It depends on with whom you're speaking mm -hmm. about Martin Luther, but um, but you know, here we are, and, and even through revolution and through protest, right? 
uh, we have we've come through many iterations in this nation that that I, I think lend themselves to the evidence that we go from glory to glory, not only as a body of people, but as a nation of folks who don't even believe the same thing. Yeah. But, you know, with, with just 10 of us, he's altered, right? He, he was willing to alter the trajectory of Sodom and Gomorrah for, 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 for slight few people, right? So imagine a nation that says that it's that it's built upon the pillars and the principles and and people can throw slavery in there as well and yes we all we all know that that is a is a grotesque period of our nation no one would ever deny that uh also no one should deny the fact that many peoples have been enslaved it, it's been a part of humanity because that's part of the fallen nature uh since the beginning but here we are right as, as a nation we have fought for the freedom of people not only on this soil uh, but all across the globe. So yeah, I, I don't not so sure that it's hyperbolic. I, I think that that I'm glad we're having this conversation and thank you because it stretches, you know, my ability to be able to articulate as a minister and as someone who's been entrusted with the airwaves and the hearts and minds of my audience to be able to articulate just how vast our fathers and our and our author's commitment is, whether you believe in him or not how committed he is to the liberty of all people. When it comes to a battle of good and evil, that battle is within us all. And then it's also in this world. And a lot of people see this battle that we see waging uh, that has been going on since the beginning of time as a sign of things to come. And I'm going to have a program coming up soon with Pastor Dr. Willie Rice and I'm really excited to have him because we're going to discuss this. Because I, whether it's World War II, World War I, the Civil War, people in those times think it's the end times. <laughs> you know, right. my, my belief right. is from the moment I was born, I am in the end times. Because <laughs> exactly. for, for me, it, it is the end times. I've got 70, 75 years if I'm lucky. So um, right. it, it is my end times. But let's let's stay with a little scripture because General Flynn did. Uh, this okay. is a this is another quote from this speech. The nation is living in Psalm twenty three. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. The only misnomer is many Americans have no clue that short phrase Thou art. They don't even know what that means anymore. And that was his quote. That is absolutely true. And and I am so glad that he brought that to our attention because what you know one of my Bible studies, uh, I, I host a, a group in a small Bible study, and one of our six part of our series uh, last year was Psalm twenty three, and every single thing that we studied within the Word was and we lived and we ministered to one another, and advocated for each other through the Word and prayed through Psalm twenty three, and and so I took the Psalm and, and said at the end of every sentence in the land of the living. Mm -hmm. And and initially people were like, okay, what, why are you doing that? I said, because think about it. We have designated this particular scripture <laughs> to funerals. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's just, it's become a trope. It, it, it has become this thing. That's a meme that we, this beautiful little picture that we hang on our walls and we tweet to one another and post on Facebook and, but we don't apply it. Right. And, and nor do we, so when we don't apply it, we don't find him faithful in it, right, in the now. And so 
I'm glad he said that because no one really takes the time to point to the fact that he has prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And if he is for us, who can be against us? Now, important to recognize who our enemies actually are, right? And then that takes you over to Ephesians 6 and 11. And putting on the full armor of God every day, of Yahweh rather, um, in, allows us to be informed and to see and to hear and to conclude rightfully who and what our enemies are. And they are principalities and wickedness and darkness and high places for sure. And they flesh themselves out through governments and people and wrong ideologies and you know anything that would um, that would oppress people. Uh, and sometimes freedom, <laughs> wild abandonment, you know, to any precepts or standards becomes the term of freedom, which is reckless in and of itself. Uh, we've assigned that to the father of standards and and we no longer understand what and with, with whom and what we are fighting. And if we understood that our knees are the most powerful and our mouths are the most powerful weapons we have combined with our faith. Um, you know, God bless him for saying that because it's true. He is with us, right? His rod and his staff that comfort us. He leads us beside still waters, you know, and, and think about this book or think about, you know, I'm, I'm launching my ministry right now, Thirst Ministries, which is predicated upon Isaiah 55. And think about how many pastors are feeding people just sewage, you know, they're they're pouring their cups with sewage water and they're feeding them stale manna, you know, because there's no understanding and because things have become so politicized in this day and age and the gospel is not political. And if I hear you correctly, this passage, Psalm 23, is used so much that we just get used to the words and the words really, we don't get into them. We don't understand. That's them. right. And the Lord's Prayer is another example of that. You know, we say yes. that so much, but do we really understand and take the time to dissect that? We had a guest speaker recently, uh, Jim Simbala. You probably know him. He's the pastor for 50 plus years at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Wonderful mm-hmm. speaker. And he took six words from that and did 40 minutes on it. And wow. give us today our daily bread. It, it was a beautiful, beautiful lesson in, in learning that that daily bread is that spirituality that we get from God and that relationship with God. That is the daily bread. It's uh, so many That's people right. probably look at that as, you know, in the physical, you know, he's going to provide, right. he's going to provide for me today. Well, he is, but the message was he's going to provide for you spiritually what you need to get through this day. Well, and, and again, going back to politics being downhill of culture, right? And so, so go back to Psalm 23, the Lord, is my shepherd, right? Not the Republican Party, not the GOP, not the DNC, not Joe Biden, not Donald Trump, not Ron DeSantis, right? The not, Lord, not TikTok, is my shepherd, not TikTok, right. not the NFL, That's right. <laughs> yeah. right? Right. The Lord is my shepherd, right? I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside still waters, okay? He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for what? Not for America's sake, not for Ukraine's sake, for his name's sake, 
right? And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me, because his rod and his staff comfort me, not our entitlements, not our military. And now listen, I'm not saying there's not a place for it for these things. I'm saying that we have, they've become idols and we have now leaned upon them to the point where they are our rod and our staff and law. To be quite honest with you, we've gone back to the letter of the law. We're demanding in the days of lawlessness that we go back to the letter of the law because I believe we have abandoned and misappropriated the spirit of the law. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil and my cup runs over. And I have to tell you something. I think this is something that Donald Trump, for, for, for all of the accusations against his, quote, lack of spirituality, I think this is something that he manifested and understood quite well. Even on a even on a secular level, you prepare us to table before me in the presence of my enemies. He was never afraid to show up mm-hmm. with our quote adversaries, right? So he wasn't adversarial. He was, hey, this is my uh, lot that I have been blessed to govern and preside over as the president, the presider of this great nation. And so I so I'm going to make my nation first in the sense of I'm going to take care of my people first, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take care of yours first as a, as a nation's leader. And that means that we should be able to come to the get to come together and find common ground so that you govern your people. I govern mine and the world gets along without endless wars. Right. And I, so I commend him for that because I think he understood that you didn't have to fear your enemies and you certainly it certainly is not advocating for becoming like them, which is something I think we have uh, done. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So goodness and mercy, right, are supposed to follow us all the days of our lives. We're out here chasing after everything that appears to be merciful, which is how we end up with woke indoctrination, appears to be loving, which is love is love, which really translates to love has no standards, uh, you know, to what appears to be good in the eyes and the sight of man, which has nothing to do with godliness and, and the father of love which has standards. Thank you for all of that, Monica. And I really don't know how to segue into what we need to get into next, but I'll figure it out here in a second. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I want to continue the conversation. It's a great conversation. Monica, Monica Matthews is, is the guest here on our lives and politics is so smart and such great discernment as well. And we're going to continue the conversation. But as we look around in this crazy world that we're speaking of, uh, things are happening. And, you know, there, there have been blackouts. I know the state of Tennessee had a blackout around Christmas time, a rolling blackout in that state. California has them all the time. Weather can happen. But, you know, national security experts are warning that the aging power grid is more vulnerable than ever. January marked the third time a power station in North Carolina was damaged by gunfire. And authorities are saying the attack, quote, raises a new level of threat. Authorities are now checking our grid for more vulnerabilities, and they've identified nine key substations. Now, if these substations are attacked, 
power could be knocked out from coast to coast for up to 18 months. That's a blackout, not days, but weeks or months. Your life would be frozen in time at that very moment. Lights all over the country would go out, throwing people into total, total darkness. That's why having your own portable solar power right now is more important than ever. And with the Patriot Power Sidekick from 4Patriots, you get a solar generator that doesn't install in your house. It's quick, easy, portable. It's on the go or even inside. It's small. It's about the size of a lunchbox, about eight pounds, but it's powerful. Powerful enough for your phones, medical devices, or even that mini fridge. It comes with a free solar panel, free shipping, and a practically unheard of 365-day satisfaction guarantee. And not only that, but you can get 10% off your first purchase by typing in the code OUTLOUD at checkout. Just go to 4Patriots.com. Use the code OUTLOUD to get 10% off your first purchase of the Patriot Power Sidekick or anything else in the store. That's 4Patriots.com. Use the code OUTLOUD. And we'll be back with more with Monica Matthews in just a moment. We'll talk more about this upside-down world next on America Out Loud Network. Are you sick and tired of having to buy belts every couple of years, maybe even every few months? Then you need the Super Belt. The Super Belt is 100% made in America, not just assembled, but manufactured in this great old U.S. of A. The Super Belt is not leather. It's made of an amazing nylon coated in a special polymer, which makes it impossibly strong, prevents it from ever stretching, makes it waterproof, and even antimicrobial. Go to thesuperbelt.com to order the last belt you'll ever need to buy. We custom hand make every single one of these belts to fit you perfectly. They start at $60, which might sound like a lot, but you've probably spent five to 10 times that amount in your lifetime buying crappy belts. Buy a super belt today and never buy another belt for the rest of your life. Go to thesuperbelt.com and order today to support an American small business. Hello, everyone. Lou Bizzotta here, co-host and producer of this great show, Our Lives and Politics. And on behalf of Booker Scott and myself, I would personally like to take a few moments to thank each and every one of you for listening and supporting our show. I would also like to take the opportunity to invite you to our website, unifiedoneamerica.com. Again, that's unified, O-N-E, America.com. Thank you so much, and please join us there and subscribe. Welcome back to Our Lives in Politics on the America Out Loud Network. I'm Booker Scott, and joining me for this conversation that we're having is Monica Matthews, a Grammy-nominated singer. She's an author. She's so many things, but right now she happens to be our guest, and I'm glad to have her. We've been talking about General Mike Flynn's speech that he gave in February of 2023. And I want to go to another quote right now. This is a quote. Europe, specifically, is already engendered in the Marxist communist philosophy and its controls and restrictions and the restrictions tighten more and more every day. Is there truth in that Monica? 1000%. 1000%. Yes. And we're seeing a lot of, at least it's feeling like we are seeing this here in this country. Do you sense that? Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. Uh, Between digital IDs, between Biden's recent uh, unilateral agreement 
with WHO regarding, you know, our own uh, our sovereignty and autonomy with regard to our health here as a nation. Uh, you know, everything that COVID has squeezed into uh, the ecosystem uh, of the globe, you know, not only this country, through the medical industrial complex, as well as the national security apparatus, to be quite honest with you. So, yes, he is spot on about that. And, you know, what's interesting, Booker, is we've been talking about the spiritual component of this. And, and when you look at Europe and you ask yourself how, you know, how, how, how and why, right? Especially you know, with the Germans, I've had these conversations on my spaces on Twitter and being of German descent um, and having people that were loading my relatives on train cars and my relatives, you know, were my relatives, right? I had them on both sides of that conversation. And so it's always been a wonder to me whenever I go visit my family, how in the world did you guys end up with Angola with open borders and, you know, refugees and, and the entire terrain is no longer Germanic. It, it has completely altered. And, and you can't even say that without someone taking offense as if I have an ought, you know, against uh, Syrians or whatnot, which is absolutely not true. My point is that it's through the spirit of guilt that this mechanism works right. and this is how globalism has gotten such a foothold because the german i mean look at what happened look at when the eu was stood up right look at when nato and why look at the genesis of these things that are now they've become these great leviathans in the earth these gods if you will these altars upon which we are commanded and demanded to lay down our liberties and our lives and our sanity uh, and our sovereignty right and so it, and now there's just this collective, you know, blob, this blob think, if you will. And they've used our institutions against us as a nation. They've done the same thing across the globe. And they use basic, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs um, through which to terrorize people uh, into uh, serving themselves up at these altars. And so he, he is spot on with what he said. But if you look at the national guilt factor, that's exactly what's happened in this country. They took slavery. They took something that is very fresh as a, of a scab over this nation, uh, and and it's not even a scar yet. Like it's it's still a it's a it's a scab, and knowing what has worked globally in the psyche, because this really is you know human terrain warfare. Um, knowing what works in the psyche of humans to guilt them into giving up their own sovereignty, their own autonomy, uh, and also terrorizing them into it, to be quite honest with you. I mean, look at COVID and masks and shutdowns and all of that. And now you're looking at digital IDs and passes. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we suffer from national guilt, which is how we've ended up with, you know, DEI programs and uh, woke indoctrination in our universities, which has honestly been going on for over a decade um, and, and really presented itself during the Obama eight years of, of, of his regime. Um, and, and here we are. So, so th this movement, I believe, has been in motion for, you know, this geopolitical movement has been in motion for, you know, much longer than some four-year election cycle. You know, I mean, this, is, this has been longstanding because it was first fashioned <laughs> in the spirit. So there, there was a there was a committee that commenced long before it ever got here to Earth, you know, in, in the heavenlies about how they were going to attempt to exalt their thrones above our fathers, and that's really what we see happening in the Earth. 
You mentioned the COVID part and digital currency and tracking and all that. I don't know if you picked up on this. I think it was a couple of weeks ago that there is now a new medical coding for vaccinated people. So in essence, they have created a way to identify unvaccinated. That's sure. that's scary to me. So I, a lot of people kind of missed that and maybe what it could mean. It, it doesn't mean that there needs to be a chip underneath your skin to track you or to identify sure. that you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. If they identify the vaccinated, then the unvaccinated are going to be identified because of this new medical code. I just thought that sure. was so. It is interesting, and I think if you look to the CCP, right, and and their in in the way they um, have manipulated and, and designed this entire system, um, uh, fascism, communism, uh, this hybrid, if you will, that they live under, um, we tend to think of them as only communist, which is which is not true. Uh, but if you look at their social credit system, right, th- this is absolutely a way of life. Okay, and you look at Australia, look at New Zealand, and the measures. I mean, God. New Zealand of all places. I was so yeah. bummed because I was like, I always said, I'm going to New Zealand. You know, it's beautiful and it's the land of the free. <laughs> and then you realize that it's it's actually governed by the land of hobbits. Uh, so, you know, political hobbits. And so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, nowhere is safe in this earth. Um, but yeah, that is, so I, I tend to try to look at things through, I, I can see where it can go. And I think it's important for people not to poo-poo things like this and go, oh, that's ridiculous. That's conspiracy theory speak that somehow they're going to put a chip under our skin. We're all going to be okay. Well, we, a lot of people now realize that the Patriot Act was the very thing that ushered us into this surveillance state. And how did that happen through terrorization? And no matter who, who implemented, who, where the genesis, where, where, where the brain trust was with regard to 9-11, it is a fact that that is how we are governed in our everyday lives. So is it possible for the unvaxxed to end up on lists, if you will, uh, within a social credit caste system, a, har- a hierarchy, if you will? 1,000%. It is possible for that to happen. And so what I tell my audience is, don't be hysterical about it. You don't have to, you know, run through the streets screaming chicken little, the, the, the sky is falling, and they're all out to get us. And you don't have to follow people that do that either consistently. Uh, but, but what you can do is simply gather your things in your storehouses and be wise as serpents and be gentle as doves in, in putting, fostering your communities, also getting involved in the political landscape. You know, and pushing back on a on a community level, county, state, uh, as well as a uh, yeah, in a state level, right? So because that's where that's where you can push back. But you know what's interesting, Booker? How about this? How about the latest national uh, drive for a divorce? Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? And look at divorce and how many people are divorced now. I mean, <laughs> exactly. It's, most right. of us. It's, it's most of us, right? Um, right. You know, the nuclear family has got to, uh, it's so important, but, but really in this conversation yeah. that we've been having so much of it gets back to the roots and mm-hmm. the, the evil battle and sure. getting back to the word and spreading the word. You know, I, I think you and I had this conversation uh, a while back, a couple of months ago, maybe on a phone conversation. I don't know why politically they, uh, we allow them to put us in the box of evangelical Christians, because truly right. 
that is the Great Commission. We are called to evangelize. So sure. why, why do we even allow them to put us in that box? Almost more importantly, not, not more, but equal to, for sure, is the second part of that command, right? Which is to go forth and make disciples. And that is something we not only do not do as a body of, quote, believers, followers of a of a gospel of the gospel uh, of of a that is that is um, that is instructed in this manual of ours called the Holy Bible or the Scriptures, right? We we don't do that, and because we haven't done that, we are now subjects of the government, and we have been taken into captivity, not only the government but to every social system and structure and ideology of secularism, humanism. So we, we have now been taken into captivity because we abdicated. And, and know, that's how I see our political stance, our political status as well. Let, let me segue to the next General Flynn quote from that speech because it fits right in. According to Marx, the abolition of religion is necessary so people can become their own God. But to place a finer point, the Communist Party can become their God. And when, sure. we, when we look at this country and what we have become, we are kind of sliding that direction or, or have slid. Yeah, I wouldn't, oh, yeah, we're there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah we're there. The we're slide the, is over. Yeah, like, we're at the bottom of the hill. They rolled up the slide, took the water hose. Yeah, we're at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we, we went head first into that sucker. Like we got out the fire hydrant and just slid right on down into the grease. And you know how we did it? To be honest with you, all jokes aside, through the greasy gray slope. Yeah. And, you know, that's what I call it. It's the greasy grace slide. And we, we assign everything to, well, God knows my heart. And God loves everybody. And God accepts everything, right? And in every, every whimsical ideology. <laughs> Again, it's the God of no standards. And so we become our own gods. And God in his infinite grace and mercy and in his commitment to allowing us to choose life or death, because he's not a communist and because he's not a Marxist and he's not a fascist, right? Because he is the Yahweh of liberty and free will. Uh, he allows us to choose what and who is going to govern over us, to rule over us. And so here we are. So he, he again, 1000% correct in that, that, that is the movement in, which is why my show was so, uh, was such a, um, more of a seer position, if you will. It, it was a front runner uh, of of, a, of what was coming, right? It was the forethought, and and I felt that in my spirit. I just couldn't articulate why I was placed in the position I was at lightning speed, and um, and all of my vocal talents in ministry and political experience converged on the air at the time that it did, and it's still going, is because the call was. Pay attention, church, because as the church goes, the nation will follow. And, 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 and ideologies are. are so important. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. ten years later or whatever, however many mm -hmm. years. Yes. I think that's about yes. right with you, right? Um, yes, it is. And, and there's unfortunately not enough of yous. Um, and we need more disciples. 
like this out there in this country right now to try to turn this thing around. You mentioned local and state, and you know that's yeah. one thing that I'm a huge advocate for. When you see the problems that we have in our country, to me, the easiest way to find a solution is getting involved locally. And when you take election integrity, for instance, the the way to solve election integrity is through state laws. You know, you look at the state of Florida, people in the state of Florida don't worry about their vote. They, they know that the General Assembly and the governor has tightened up laws. So the, the nefarious things that can happen can't happen in Florida. So how does that happen? You know, that happens locally. We get involved locally so that we can vet the candidates, elect them, get them elected, and have them change laws for election laws. That's just one example. But you can pretty mm-hmm. much look at everything in our country today and go to exactly what you were talking about a few minutes ago, which is get involved locally at the local level, the school board level, the county commission level, the the mayor, the state uh, house, and the uh, uh, the governor, you know, th- those are so important. Right. And we've seen that the last three years better than we've ever seen, I think, with COVID and the way New Jersey, Philadelphia, uh, Pennsylvania, Michigan, California, the way they handled it versus states like Florida. Yeah, well, I think, too, this goes back to kind of the bloated nature of the nation, right, where where we've 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 lived with kind of this decadent uh, existence as a country for so long um, that that we no longer engaged. We, we no longer saw the value and the privilege, to be quite honest with you, since everyone wants to be so privileged, that it really is a privilege if you look around at the rest of the world. You know, ask people suffering under Marxism and communism and fascism right now, especially in China, um, you know, what a privilege it is to be able to show up and, 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 and perform your civic duty, mm-hmm. right? We no longer teach civics, and we've replaced civics with classes about privilege and division, um, and wokeness. And so we advocated a lot of that as I believe a, an overstuffed, uh, and, and, and I say this with all due respect, but a quote privileged nation as a whole. I mean, the, the fact that we have, we, it's a privilege to be called a child of the living God, mm-hmm. right? That's an honor that, that that's not something that we've earned. Right. And that, that doesn't, and that is, that, that it's, it's, it's skin color notwithstanding. Right. But it, it is uh, it, in, yeah, in, in sexuality, notwithstanding for that matter. Right? right. Like come in and be changed, be yes. transformed by the renewing of your mind, by the washing of the water of the word. That's the, that is the admonition, the command. And so we became bloated and we just abdicated. And so people were not involved. If people understood Booker, just how few people actually influence something like Rona Romney, maintaining her position, they would be shocked, Yes, shocked how few people actually um, have influence over that and how, how people showing up at their Saturday morning GOP meetings yes. is so important. It is crucial because that's in their precinct meetings, right? And getting involved on the precinct level because that's where it all begins. But people have no idea what the protocols are what processes are in place. They, they don't understand Robert's rules of order. They're not engaged on that level. They don't go to their state conventions and their national conventions. They've, they simply have advocated those are the politicians and politics is stinky and we don't want to be involved in that. And now kind of like a lot, at some point they both show up at your door. You know, I had Corey Mills on the last program and we kind of spoke about this and they are oblivious 
that we exist because we are not there. You know, there there are Republican clubs mm-hmm. all over the place. And as you mentioned, the Saturday morning meetings or, or Wednesday night meetings, whenever whenever mm-hmm. your meeting is, go to your county or go, go to Google or go to your search engine, whichever one you use, and type in your county and GOP and get plugged in because that is so important. And before you do, here's a caveat to that, though. Before you do, you need to prepare your heart and your mind for and your pocketbook for the for the battle that's going to ensue. So so you you're going to show up thinking you're on the same team. <laughs> but but what's important to remember is that you are going up against an, an archaic system yes. of of pat, patting butts and patting backs and all and literally patting pocketbooks and all of that uh, because people do not want to give up their thrones and, and their seats at the table. And so you have to go in with um, with faith, with uh, tenacity, with resiliency, and understanding what your why is, and you got to bring enforcements with you. I tell and, people and all the time. Yeah, I tell people all the time, don't go by yourself. Take thirty of your friends right. that think like Hello? you. Hello, and and what will <laughs> right. happen? What will happen is you'll find out that in most of these clubs and meetings, you may be the majority if you take thirty of your friends. <laughs> And then, right. all, then all of a sudden your voice has so much more meaning than if you show up by yourself and you're a weak minority. So That's the, right. go take some friends, wake up and, and, yes. and get busy. Uh, let's go to another, right. let's go to another general Flynn quote here from this speech, because I think this also falls into what we've been discussing. Stalin had a policy called inclusiveness. His inclusiveness killed as many as 60 million of his own citizens and imprisoned more. The inclusiveness that we see in our society today, is it a forerunner for something else? I think it's fair to say that that is, again, an accurate statement um, or an accurate. It's a, it's a good question. I don't know if if if, uh, if General Flynn made the statement or connected those two. But but I believe that if he did, that that would be an accurate assumption that that we are moving that direction. And I say that because you see the war that is being waged on white Americans, on Caucasians, on and even black Americans who align with conservative ideology. I mean, for God's sakes, you've got the lieutenant governor of of Virginia uh, Winsome Sears, who's been dubbed as a white supremacist. Now, I'm not sure how that happens or how that fleshes out, but okay. And so you, you see the, the lines of delineation and see the church thinks that she's going to be able to escape this by just being quiet. If we just don't say a lot, they won't see us. Yeah. Right. But that's not how that works. And so people like me, you, General Flynn, others are out way ahead of this saying, no, 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 we, we, we need to mobilize now as a body of believers who has the entire kingdom of heaven with us, uh, you know, in this New Testament dispensation, knowing who you are is very helpful. Uh, you know, this leads right over into what's happening, quite honestly, with Russia and Ukraine. You know, I mean, this really is a holy war if you think about it. If, if you look at it from a spiritual perspective, you've got, you know, the, the Nazis and nihilists uh, as well as ISIS and mercs who have all been deployed against Orthodox Christians. So, you know, at its baseline, that is happening. 
But but the front side of that is, oh, Putin's bad, and I'm not suggesting that he's a good dude, but I am suggesting that there's a lot more at play here, and you can see what's happened through the infiltration of Europe with regard to um, extreme Islamism, uh, the Taliban proliferating through uh, Eastern Europe, and in Western Europe now it completely looks like a a war zone, right? And all of those are lines of demarcation. They're lines of culture, uh, lines of ideology. And ultimately, yes, I believe in this country, we are setting the stage. Um, and, and that is a global movement, by the way, between mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, global. That is not uh, only a United States proposition. And a lot of people don't realize that either. But that's what this is. It is setting the stage for the new wave of those, and we saw it happen with COVID. If you're not willing to be vaccinated, if, if those people, then they deserve to die. I mean, pretty sick stuff. If you're not wearing a mask, you deserve to die. You deserve to get sick and you deserve everything that's coming to you, right? So it started with masks, it started with skin color. And yes, it is absolutely plausible that that is the direction, the spirit and the mindset that is being, um, that is being germinated at this point and uh, and it's dangerous and and i do think that we could see that we see that now with cancel culture there's no such thing as cancel culture he didn't come to cancel us he comes to steal kill and destroy and uh, jesus christ was the greatest uh, canceler of the cancel culture ever amen Uh, (laughs) yes uh, amen last quote here from general flynn and i i don't want you necessarily to say yeah i agree or don't disagree or or disagree i want you to just say your thoughts after i read this now this is a quote evil exists it's all around us we should know better and we should act smarter but tragically we do neither and therefore we find ourselves at this historic moment of peril we don't act better because we don't know better because we rely upon our own understanding and because three to five percent of those who are called to the battlefield of liberty of actual liberty in the heavenlies and here on earth read their manual we are left to our own understanding and the understanding of others in, in man on his best day never has a bend toward liberty. All of that glory goes to the author and finisher of our faith, who is the author of this nation's liberty. So I, I would say that it's because of our ignorance that we, we are ignorant because we have not taken the time to educate ourselves on what we say we believe. And because we don't know really what we believe, other than we're all going to get a a robe and a banjo at some point when we cross the happy rainbow with bubbles, we don't manifest the power, the sobriety, um, and the uh, resiliency that is required to maintain liberty. That's what I think about that. I, I Again, and, and, you know, I, I can't disagree with that because it has manifested and it is manifesting and it will continue to darken our doorstep as a nation until uh, more of us actually get involved, uh, not only get involved, but we get involved with wisdom and we get involved with knowledge and we understand who and whose we are. One of the greatest books I have in my possession right now is Tim Sheets, 
Planting the Heavens, one of the greatest books you could purchase yourself today, and I make no money off of that whatsoever, (laughs) is Planting the Heavens, because if we understood the power and the authority and the and the sovereignty as 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 residents of heaven here on earth in the spirit if we understand whose and who we were we would not be in the position we are currently in as a nation and and i believe that we are in captivity monica thank you so much for joining our lives in politics it's been a great conversation i really do appreciate you coming Thank you so much for having me. It has been a joy. I love your work. I love you as a brother. Um, I love your voice. You're just wonderful. I'm so glad that you are blessing the airwaves with your talent, your time, and your treasure. And, you know, I just pray blessing over you and continued uh, growth, you know, that your voice will uh, continue to grow across these airwaves. And thank you. It's been quite the honor. AmericaOutloud.com is where you'll find shows from Dr. Peter McCullough, Tony Schaefer, Attorney Tom Renz, and Dr. Paul Alexander. Remember, salt without flavor has no use. Just tossed on the ground to be stepped on. And you are the salt of the earth. So be salty. You've been listening to Our Lives in Politics with your hosts Booker Scott and Lou Basada. 